thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see all of you. And uh, welcome to church. We're in the middle of that I Am series. More on that in just a moment. I want to add a little bit to Kenny G's commentary. Sorry, Kenny G. That's what we call him. It's his last name, Kenny Grasha. Hey, can you give a big hand to Kenny G? We love you. So grateful for you. So fun to see God at work through you. Um, And that request that he made at the end uh, about uh, people opening up their homes is actually responding to um, requests that we currently have. So it's not just a vision that we're hoping for. It's actually coming to you because we have parents that are saying, I want to send my student uh, to Bold Conference, uh, but... I don't know where they're going to stay, and it might not be that they're coming with a local church or a youth group. So it's this new dynamic where kind of in the internet global age, uh, formerly it used to be that you would just have youth groups would find out about this um, through the the local church. But now you have the internet, and so you have have families that want to send their children or their students, sorry, teenagers, um, but they might not necessarily be with the group. So we're trying to meet that need with a new way, and that is opening up... uh, essentially host homes from within our church. And so uh, I realize that's a big request, um, but it's uh, fun to be able to welcome these students who will probably fly in and then stay with some of you during the conference. And uh, we're excited about that. Secondly, um, one of the ladies that I talked to uh, recently, she's in her 50s, and she said, hey, David, you know what I love about this church? My favorite thing about this church, here's when I fell in love with Radiant Church. She said, when I served on the Dream Team at Bold Conference, because I saw so many young people that were seeking God. And she said, it reminded me of when I fell in love with Jesus when I was in high school. And she said, so I loved it. And so anyway, I just want to encourage you, no matter your age or where you're at in life, to take a few days if you want to and jump all in with serving uh, at Bold Conference. It's going to be great. It'll be three days and uh, it's going to be awesome. All right, if you've got your Bibles, let's go. John chapter 15. We're in this series called I Am and it's leading up to Easter's. And there's seven times that we find Jesus saying in the gospel of John, I am. And of course, he's quoting what we read in Exodus 3, where in the story with Moses, Yahweh says, I am. And that's the story. And so it is a claim uh, of deity. And in each one of these metaphors, each one of these pictures, we get a window into what Jesus is like. So this is essentially Christology. This is studying what Christ is like. This is studying what is Jesus like. So you could say this series is Jesus on Jesus. Jesus speaking of Jesus. Jesus giving you revelation of what Jesus is like. And so when you put these together like a mosaic, you can understand more of what Christ is like. So we're taking different weeks to identify some of the characteristics of who Jesus is, what he's like, based upon these pictures. So last week we did, I am the good shepherd. And today we're going to go after John 15, which is the last one that he says, 
We'll conclude uh, on Easter on the story uh, where Jesus says in the Lazarus narrative, I am the resurrection and the life. And we're working our way all the way uh, to Easter with these I am statements. So John chapter 15, we're going to stand today. Uh, If you wouldn't mind standing up uh, to read the word of God in honor of the scriptures, I'll read it to you. Says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That's real. He prunes. That it may bear more fruit. Why? He's got a goal. He's got an agenda. He wants that branch to bear more fruit. Sorry, I'm preaching while I'm reading. Here we go. I just love it so much. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And all the hardworking independent Americans got to read that three times. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide, In me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. It's a good prayer text right there. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Father, we love you today. We ask that the word of God would go deep into our hearts. We pray that we would see Jesus, the true vine. We ask, Lord God, for wisdom and revelation. We ask for your heart in our heart. We pray that you would help us to grow more in love with Jesus, that we might abide with Jesus, that we might bear fruit in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Sorry, that was very formal. You may be seated. Uh, I was very strong. I was very excited. I don't know about you, but uh, I, bear with me. We're going to start off on a bad note. Get, you're going to hate me. Here we go. Uh, I liked the commercials that Tom Brady did with T-Mobile about the, unconnect, the, the connection thing. I know, there it is, and it's a, it's, a, it's a wound. And just to start off here, people are like, we're leaving this church. Okay, got it. A um, little bit painful. But if you watch those T-Mobile commercials, it was kind of funny because it was just a real st- simple kind of humorous narrative where you've got one person, quarterback Tom Brady, speaking to his tight end, say, talking to him. But the nature of the commercial was, if the connection is broken, then the receiver gets the wrong information. That was the idea. So they built a whole, a whole commercial series, kind of like a sermon series, just kidding, commercial series around that idea. And it's the value of unbroken connection. That was the point. And all of us know, in our own lives, what it's like to have a broken connection. And there are some of us where depending on the connection that's broken, you will be outraged until it's reconnected. In my house, uh, we have so many people connected online. It's insane. And when that connection goes down, online school gets disrupted, right? And online entertainment gets disrupted. And online correspondence with the church gets disrupted. So it doesn't matter. Renata's the only one who doesn't get disrupted. She just, <laughs> anyway, that's, that's funny right there. Okay, all right. But, but, but whenever that internet connection goes down, you know what goes on inside of the family. Get that connection back, right? 
We, we, we can't do what we need to do. We can't get the education right. Can't do work right. I can't be in contact with Kenny G and Paul and Nathan. I got to get that. Let's get that back. Here's what I'm going for today. I'm going after you having a hundred times more urgency to get the connection with Jesus back than you would if you lost internet connection. I'm going after what lasts eternally rather than what's just going to help you pay that bill today. And so I think when you've got Jesus right here talking to the disciples, he's seated in the upper room, and this is the last of the I am statements, and he's looking at people, big story, because you've got real disciples, and when he's talking to them, it's, it's not a little Devo, like your little Devo, 365 days, and you got a little, hey, just remain in me. You've got Jesus with, with the very leaders, the disciples, the people, when he's saying things like, hey, it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. He's got a lot invested. He's looking at people and he's saying, hey, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so here he's going to go to the cross and then there's the resurrection and then the ascension. But you've got, he's looking at people that he's banking on and he's saying, stay with me. Remain in me. Abide in me. Stay close. My dream for us today is that we would, with fresh ears and a fresh heart, Resolve to stay close. Actually, that's the Greek word there. You could, you could translate it remain. That's what the NIV does. ESV goes abide. You could say stay. That's another way that you could take that Greek word and just stay. Seven different times we have abide, 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 abide. So here's Jesus about to go to the cross. He's given some of his last words. He looks at his disciples to the people that he's counting on, to the people he's doing life with. And the nature of his conversation is this, remain, abide, stay, seven times. I mean, stay, 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 stay. When you think about your own life, think about the tendency that you have to make a decision to follow Jesus when you were young or weeks ago, months ago, maybe decades ago, but not stay, not remain, become distant. Tolerate the disconnection. Become disconnected, but then give reasons why you're so busy that you don't have time to be connected. Here's the aim. That you would have this life in Jesus, the true vine, and that you would connect and stay connected that you would lock in as a branch and he is the vine and that you would remain, that you would stay. And that's where Jesus is with these disciples. Because yes, this becomes a text that we read later, but also in that moment, he's looking at those guys and he's saying, stay, remain, abide, be close, stay connected to me. It's interesting because right here in this text, um, there's always a temptation to think that I can be connected to a system instead of a person and be okay. Or I can be committed or remain or know, have knowledge of an idea and be okay. But that's not Christianity. Right here, Christianity, you have Christ, Jesus, saying really clearly, it's about connection to a person. So in Psalm 80, we read, let, just, let me just read it to you because it's, it's the idea that they would have had. They would have had the idea of Israel being a vine. And so the scriptures called Israel a vine. So they would have had the idea of a vine being Israel. It says this, you, Psalm 80, verse 8, you brought a vine out of Egypt. So speaking of bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it. Okay, so they would have had that idea. And so when Jesus says, I am the true vine, he's saying, connect to a person, not just to the fact that you are an Israelite. 
connect to me. Today, we would say, people will think, I'm connected to Christianity. I'm good. What does that mean? Mm, I don't know. I listen to Christian music on Spotify and play Veggie Tales for my children. You know, like, we good. I'm connected. Or they might say, I'm connected to church. But the whole essence of Christianity is not that you're connected to Christianity or connected to church. It's that you're connected to Christ. That's the connection. That's the root. That's the system. That's, the, that's, the, that's what matters. It's the vine, the branch. So here's where I want to go. I want to invite you to ask the question, what does it look like for me in my own life to, yes, at salvation, connect with Christ and then remain and then stay and then abide and then be close. It looked one way for century disciples. What does it look like for you? 21st century disciple. How could you? Yes, I said yes to following Jesus. Yes, he is now my vine. I think many people might have the false vine of, I'm, I'm kind of categorically, I'm, I'm an American and I've been to church. And just like Jesus says here that there's two kinds of branches, those that are connected and those that are not connected. Those that are know and walk and are in the vine and receiving life from the vine and those that are not. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Welcome to church, everybody. I'm just saying, this is Jesus on Jesus. So I want to go after verse 9, though, today, because most of the time when I was studying this, most of the commentary kind of stops and doesn't go all the way to verse 9 and brings verse 9 in as kind of a new idea. But for me, and this is a little testimonial, for me, verse 9 gives me the strength to abide. So you could say that you could say that the, the power of the Christian life is abiding. But I would say that for me personally, the power of abiding comes in the content of verse 9. Where in verse 9, Jesus says to the disciples, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So let me, let's look at that. Here's Jesus. He looks at these disciples and the way that the Father loves me, that's the way that I love you. Now abide, now remain, now stay. There is motivation to abide in love. It's the last of the abides, I'm using this word. And I'm telling you, this is the kingpin heart desire to want to abide or remain or stay. Because how you see, how you believe God sees you is so pivotal to if you want to be connected, if you want to stay close, if you want to be a branch in the vine. Think about this. If you were to verbalize or text or write down on a piece of paper one word of how God sees you, what word would you write? Just give you a second. Like actually not, I want you to actually think of a word. It's not high school, so I'm not going to make you like stand up or something, but I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I can't tell if you can tell, but I'm stalling right now. I'm trying to have you actually think of one word where when you're driving home with your spouse later on, you can say, what was your word? I'm actually waiting for that. Like, it's not like, oh, I don't know. I didn't really think about it. I, just, I never really listened to that guy, you know, but like just you're actually getting a word right now. You're off Instagram. You're not, you're not watching the NCAA tournament for just a moment. Now that you got your word, most people, when you ask them that question, they'll say, disappointed sad. 
meaning? When I think about all the things that I hear the preachers or the people in the Christian books are, uh, tell me that I should do, maybe the way that I see all of the Christian responsibilities, I think God is mostly just disappointed, like, well, what's wrong with that guy? I mean, can't get the Bible right, messed up in this relationship, addicted to this immorality. I'm just, it's not that God hates me, it's just that God's just a little bit sad, just disappointed, maybe, maybe annoyed. All right. And that is, if I'm sitting over coffee at Starbucks with somebody, that's very common. That's where most people are. And inherent in that is a systematic religious worldview that says, if I do good enough, I'll be accepted. But if you have an abiding mindset in a father, my father is the gardener, Jesus the vine, and I'm connected to Jesus. And Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now stay close to that. Now abide in that. Now remain in that. Now hang on. That means don't quit on that. So I'm telling you, the motivation of verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide in my love. That makes me, what was it before? Abide, 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 abide. And if you get this, he delights in me and loves me like he loves his son. And we know that whenever you read about that kind of love that exists in the Trinity, God the Father loving God the Son, that's a Matthew 3 baptism event. This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Whew. All right. If there's anybody that enjoys me, loves me, likes me, Jesus would say, it's my Father. He's always talking about his Father. It's his favorite subject. He doesn't go, oh. <laughs> Probably annoyed. Probably bugged. Probably disqualified. No, the perfect son says that father delights, enjoys, loves me. And when he's thinking about how the highest expression of encouraging his disciples to stay and remain, he says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain, now abide, now stay in my love. Greek word, M-E-N-O, stay. I like stay because I grew up in church. So the word remain, it's a church word to me. The word abide, it's a church word to me. Stay, I have no idea how that was in Bible. So the word stay makes so much sense to me. Just stay. Just stay close. Just don't walk away. And I'm picturing Jesus looking at the disciples and he's about to go to the cross. He's going, stay. Thomas, real people. Stay, abide, be close. And if you have, ooh, verse nine, I almost fell off. I knew it was going to happen. It will happen one day. It hasn't happened yet. You know how preachers have a good time, how we live on the edge, baby. All right, so uh, I was thinking about it this way. So with my children, um, I think my kids feel like I delight in them six and a half days a week. Like David on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning until about 3 p.m. on a Saturday, 4 o'clock Saturday. I am a delightful father. Like I'm like, what's up? You my boy, what's up, Adeline? You look just like me. Livy Lou, you look like your mama. Joseph, let's go, baby. I mean, like my kids feel delighted in most of the time, six and a half days a week. But on Saturday night, it's easy to disappoint me. I'm hard to please on Saturday night. 
because I like to go to bed really early so that I can be here on a Sunday ready to roll. I'm a light sleeper, so you got to have the sound has to be quiet. The lights have to be off. I mean, it is not a night to stay up on Netflix. It is not a night to be high-fiving your brother. This is a night. You go to, and you go to the bathroom wrong, and I'm a little bit grumpy. Like, what's up? Stop. Go to bed. What's up? Why are you up now? And so my kids, when they make jokes, they make jokes about Saturday Night Dad. Ooh. The rest of the week, Dad is awesome. But Saturday night, dear Lord. He's hard to please. Most of you think about, about your father like Saturday night. Did I mess up? I'm uptight. He's uptight. But if you could flip it, and if you could see, and this is not David. This is the text. Jesus, verse 9. After, abide, 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 abide. Remain, 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 remain. Stay, 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 stay. It is this. As the Father has loved me, so if I loved you, I'm the vine. Stay with me. Stay with me. Don't, don't get disconnected. If you get disconnected, hate it like nothing else. What we do is we go, oh yeah, disconnected from God. <laughs> I'm an American, of course. What do I got to do? It's just normal and I'm so busy and it's all about me. So. But if you could go first century and sit there and lock eyes with your master, your savior, and have him look at you like he looked at them, and say, abide in me. Stay. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Proving yourself to be my disciples. Come on. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You fundamentally would shift the way that you live your life. And it would be the delight of your life to go, he loves me. He is going to the cross for me. And I want to stay as close as I can be. So I want to offer you that invitation today. Just like Jesus would say, I'm the true vine. It's not just that you're an Israelite. I want you to stay close to me. Today, I look at you and I say, it's not just that you go to church. It's not that you, that you make some posts of some Bible verses. Here's what it is. It's that you have a real relationship that's presently, present tense, vibrant. So the moment that you said yes to Jesus, yes, bam, in salvation, I am now abiding. I am connected. I'm going to be in the, and he is, he is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. He is the Messiah. He is the one that I find life from. Okay. And the nature of this text is stay. You remain. So it's more than just, I prayed a prayer and my soul got locked in the vault of heaven. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just enjoying life till I die, baby. Oh no, no, no. I, I chose to find life in the true vine. And, and, and the way that I find life, the way that I draw life, the way, what, what brings life to me comes from the vine. And so I, I want to get to the place where when you feel and sense like you're isolated and disconnected from Jesus, the vine, you have 10 times the angst that you have when you don't have your, when you've lost your cell phone. <laughs> And I'm serious. You lose your phone and you're like, it's the end of the world as we know it. Right? Dear God, where is it? But here's what matters times 10 million over that. Not the connection to Facebook. Not the connection to your bank account. Not the connection. Here's what matters. What matters in eternity is I am, I, I'm a branch connected to the vine. And this is the privileged place to live because there are so many blessings. There's so much to gain 
in our spiritual life by abiding. And there's so much to lose by living disconnected. If you're connected, the Christian life is a delight. I'm telling you, people go, nope, I've tried it. Nope, it's just me just gritting my teeth and just trying hard. That's miserable. That's the religious way. And this abiding peace, if you could get this today, change your life. Look at this. I, I said it this way, but abiding, it, it gives me... The, when I abide, when I stay close to Jesus, I can go through anything. So I, I can face difficult circumstances. Here's, here's the language that I chose. We'll see how it works, but... But abiding in Christ, it stabilizes me. And the reason why I chose this is because you've got this language here in verse two where Jesus says that you're pruned, you're, you're cut. And so if you're, if, you're, if you're, I keep using this gesture. I hope this is okay. All right, but if you're, if you're, con, if you're connected to the vine, if, right, then, then the truth is, is that you can face trials, difficulties, hardships, and the way, the lens by which you see life is that you have pruning in your worldview. Oh, those he loves, he disciplines. Bible. Oh, consider pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Bible. Oh, God works for the good of those who love him. Bible. John 15, I'm being pruned. I'm being cut. It's painful. This is painful. This is hard. But if you're abiding, you've got a Christ-like world, you've got a Christian worldview where I'm staying close. And so you're in conversation, you're going, Lord, what are you doing right now? You're at work inside of me. You're at work in my circumstance. You're always at work. So, you, so you're doing something right now. And you're, if you are not abiding, if you are disconnected, then you're interpreting the whole thing differently because it's just in your brain and what you see of history and how you see the economy and how you see what you read about. And so you're just mad saying, where are you, God? And accusation grows, but affection grows if you're connected. Because if you're connected, then you're saying, okay, God is at work and I might not be able to see it, but I'm abiding and I'm close. And so, you, so, so it stabilizes you and you become an entirely different person. Like, have you ever known somebody who's been a follower of Jesus for two decades and they go through the trial, they go through the difficulty, they go through hardship and they're stable. You see somebody else who's not and many like this text, they're not, they're, they're no longer connected to the vine. And when they go through hardship, they've got anger, frustration because they can't see what Jesus is doing because they're not connected to Jesus. They don't have the Bible on their lips. There's no meditation in prayer. They're cynical when you talk about God at work in the world. And so it's just entirely up to their own intellectual capacity to interpret history and what's going on. But you get somebody who's close to Jesus and walking with Jesus and they'll look at the darkest situation and they've got, they've got a viewpoint of, all right, I'm going through a pruning season. And, and many times when you talk to people that have been followers of Jesus for years and years, they would tell you that it's in the most, the, the, the most pruning moments, the most painful moments where God is at work that they would say, I felt closest to the Lord and I wouldn't trade it. And I know that sounds crazy. And I don't care what your view is on sovereignty or free will. This remains true. 
God at work in the chaos, always. God at work in the pain, always. No matter how it, God, and if you'll be connected, if you'll be, if you'll be abiding, you can look at whatever we read on the news. You can read whatever's going on in your life and have, instead of uh, me first, I got to get all my circumstance right. And you can, I mean, you read the biographies of people who've been close to, to Jesus through real difficulty and trials. And it's actually in the midst of those pruning seasons that they held on to the vine and they're connected and attached. And I want to invite you to that. And you know people that aren't connected to the vine and, and they're not stable. Everything drives them. I mean, they're just a roller coaster. Ah, the sky is falling. Ah, both with news or with other vines. Hey, this is their hobby. Then that's their sport. Then that's their favorite. And they're just always not stable. But boy, you get, you get where your life is connected right into the vine. And I'm telling you, it's the, it's the strength of stability. The winds blow and you're connected. It stabilizes you. Second idea is this. First, he talks about pruning. Then he goes on down in verse four and he says this. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So here's this idea, this idea of bearing fruit. It's just about abiding in the vine actually changes me. Like I'm, I'm actually transformed. I'm actually changed. So I'm stable, but I'm changed too. And Paul talks this way. Paul uses the metaphor of fruit. So you see people who are greedy that become generous by virtue of abiding. You can give them seven habits on how to become generous and they'll never do it, but you get a little supernatural life of God connected to God and the greedy will become generous. You get a little bit of the life of God, communion, union, connecting with Jesus, abiding, staying, remaining, and the fearful become courageous by abiding. You can have somebody who is, I mean, grumpy, cynic, that by abiding, salvation, boom, in the vine, staying close, staying as close as possible, connected, remaining, abiding. And over years of abiding, the most grumpy, and I mean, all about themselves person can become joyful seeing others filled with life. This week, Renata and I um, experienced a moment where both of us had the potential to be very afraid, very fearful. And I watched Renata, uh, my wife, be insanely fearless and courageous. And she starts quoting scripture. And I'm like, wow. I mean, the Renata of 25 years ago, in this moment, she'd be quoting country music, not scripture. Like, I don't know what's going on, but like, this is... This is a different person. This is a person that's filled with the life of God. Not only stable, but she has actually changed. She is actually, I mean, filled with courage. Why? Years of abiding. Actually, it's not that she, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that she watched a YouTube video, how to be fearless. She doesn't even do YouTube. I mean, but like, like it's, it, it, and, and, and our culture is filled with that. Hey, five steps to this, three steps to that. Audio book on this. You transform yourself. You change yourself. Let me tell you this. You read Jesus, 
Here's a secret to real transformation, real change. God at work. It's, it's, it's actually, he can, he can not only stabilize you in abiding, but he'll, he'll change you. you. Who you are. You look at yourself in the mirror and go, it's Jesus that's changed me. That's why I'm so bitter. I'm so frustrated. I'm so annoyed. I hate it when I read, when I see on the movies where people make fun of Jesus. Don't you? It just makes me, it's just, I just can't handle it. Because there's a cynical joke that goes, oh yeah, it's Jesus. And you know what it is? It's, it's, it's mocking the people who have the testimony. Because when we say, no, Jesus is our testimony, it's actually the best thing you can have. It's Jesus. And the ones who really know where they'd be, Without him, it's just like, it's this grieving. It's just this, oh, don't, don't mock the relationship that means the most to me. Don't, don't mock the historical figure that changed history, is then resurrected from the dead and is seated in heaven, returning. Oh boy, there's going to, there's going to be a day that you regret that mockery. So we're the people that when the name of Jesus is on our lips, it's not superficial. It's testimonial. He's the one. He's, he's my vine. He's the true vine. A lot of false vines. A lot of other ways to try to get life. But I found life in him. And, I'm, and that connection means everything to me. I'm going to fight for it. I'm gonna, I, I'll do anything to keep, that, to keep that going. So David, you can joke around about losing my cell phone. And, and the reason why that's comical is because for us, we have built in connected to so many other things that it's almost like, how could you compare that? But I, what I'm telling you is I think it's a good pop quiz every time you lose your phone. It's a great prayer every time you lose your phone. God, put the urgency in me to be more connected to you than the text, the email, the bank account. Who's eating what today on that picture? I want to be more connected to you. So third one is this. He says, I am the vine, verse five. You're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So abiding in the vine, it actually empowers me. Empowers me. Now, I picked that word because when Jesus talks this way, to me as a Kansas Cityan, I don't, if I'm, if I'm an independent doing my life, I'm not necessarily consumed with caring about some of the very things Jesus said will happen. And if, if you abide and you start to go, oh, I'm stable. Now I'm changed. I've got the fruit of the spirit. I've got the fruit of walking with Jesus in me. So I'm, I'm transformed and I'm changed. Then this third one, it builds on those. This third one doesn't make sense if you don't have those. But what happens then is then you start to care about what Jesus cares about. So when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Proving yourselves to be my disciples. And this is to my father's glory. Then those motives that Jesus is hitting on inside the human heart to the person that's been abiding, they care about those. They go, ooh, to the Father's glory, I care about the Father's glory. To the person who is living disconnected from Jesus, they don't care about the Father's glory. They just make a joke and say, oh, 
uh, silly people that care about the Father's glory. They don't care about proving to be, I don't, I can't prove anything. Man, I can do what I want. But to the person who cries when they read scripture, to the person that goes back and looks at their prayer journal and seen God at work, to the person who's been with him, they go, oh, Jesus was all about his father's glory. Jesus said, actually, guys, Philip, Thomas, Matthew, I want you to bear fruit. I've got a lot invested in you. So this is more than just a 365-day journal about, you know, cute little Devo, do those little Devos and have a little cute connection. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, about, I'm about to go to a cross, be crucified like a common criminal. I've invested these three years and I need you to stay close to me. You're going to go through difficulty. It's going to be challenging. Remain, stay. Why? I want you to bear fruit. And it's actually remaining, staying, abiding. That is what enables you to have kingdom fruit, like fruit that lasts, fruit that remains. And if you're not abiding with Jesus, you won't even care about that. I mean, Americans have a little bit of that. We have a little bit of like once, you know, once I'm a person of like financial means and maybe I care about like my name on a brick at something, I leave some kind of legacy to myself, but it's very small. Mostly what we have is me, but to the Christ follower, that me starts to get weaker and weaker as you abide longer and longer. And what grows is, is caring about to my father's glory that you bear fruit because Jesus was always about others. Jesus was always like, I, I want you to be my hands and feet. And when you give an expression of my hands and my feet and you go make a difference in the life of somebody else, then it's actually Jesus through you. The vine through the branch makes the fruit. So it's actually the connection. You don't have that connection between the vine and the branch and you won't have the fruit. But man, you got the vine and the branch together and there's a lot of fruit. So you can think about every time that you feed the poor, every time that you give generously, every time that you choose to, to put less of me, more of being the hands and feet, the expression of Jesus to other people, every time that you do that and there's real spiritual fruit, most of the time, it's not gonna happen if you're not abiding. You're gonna live independent of Jesus. You're gonna call yourself a Christian and you're gonna have this mentality that goes, I don't know, I just don't have time. But you're abiding I mean, you're really close and you'll be surprised how you'll be like, you get a vision of, I have this idea. I have this burden. I have a burden I can't shake. I care. And it's actually, it's actually Jesus using you and, and that connection. <laughs> how do you do this? Together forms the fruit. If you take a great family, a husband and a wife, and they have a child, that child looks like the parents. You can't have the child without the husband. You can't have the child without the, without the wife. But the fruit of that marriage has a child that looks like the two of them together. Every time that there is spiritual fruit in your life, it's you and Christ together. And it looks like Jesus. And it looks like you. Oh, David, how dare you say that? No, 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 no. The, any fruit in my life, it looks like Jesus, but it looks like me. I'm limited in my capacity. I've got, it looks like it's choices that I make because I've been abiding. So that partnership, 
It's like, what's up? It's like Renata and I, man, I look at, when I look at my kids, I look at them, I go, what's up? If you're, if you're lucky, you look a lot like Renata and a little bit like me, but y'all got a little bit of me in you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, but all four of them. And I want to tell you this. There, are, there, are, there is more fruit. And Jesus, Jesus, was, that's all, this whole thing is about that. First he says, you'll bear fruit. You'll bear more fruit. And that last one, ooh, that's the fun one. Because the last one you see here in the text, he goes, much fruit. So you have a vision. Your vision is much fruit. No, 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 no. My vision is to look good, be rich, and be famous, baby. Oh, no. That was yesteryear's vision. You've been transformed. You've been changed. You've been stabilized. Now what you care about. All right. I ask of you. I got some asking going on in this text by remaining and abiding. I was thinking about the tendency for us to um, think that we are in the vine, but we've become dead. And Jesus, this whole text is about those two. It's a branch that's alive and bearing fruit and a branch that's dead. No longer connected. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. One of the sadnesses in Jesus' day and in our day. Jesus had people that thought, I'm a branch, but betrayed him that very night. Today, it's easy for us to think we're a branch, but we're no longer connected to the vine. When I'm um, I was growing up, one of the most amazing things about my mom was that she always loved for us to get the Christmas tree experience where we had a live Christmas tree. So we would go cut it down, bring it into our house, set up the live Christmas tree, which was amazing. It was always smelled good. It was awesome. It was amazing. Some of you are fake tree people. Some of you are live tree people. We were live tree people. Now in my adult life, I'm a fake tree person. I've been both. I've been alive and I've been fake. I've been both. But, but now... Uh, when, when, when we were younger, we had a, we, setting up the tree was amazing, and we were great at that. I mean, right after Thanksgiving goes up, I know we've got lots of opinions, this very heated conversation about this Christmas tree thing, but um, ours would go up, and then here was the problem, though. We did a great job of getting it up, but my brother and I were always embarrassed when we would throw a Super Bowl party and our Christmas tree was still up, right? So that was like, oof, early February, here we are. Here's the thing about that Christmas tree, though. Lights, ornaments, just had the appearance of being alive, but it was a matter of time where it was really dead. And it looked good, but it was dead. And there are many of us, that's our story. And we, we know how to put on some of the ornaments and make things look good, but we haven't been connected in a while. Here's where I want to invite you to. I want to invite you to have a resolution in your heart that I will abide in the true vine. A salvation and an ongoing relationship with Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And that it's a bigger commitment to you. And I'm going big today than any other thing that gives you life. Jesus is number one. I'm not saying Jesus is the only thing, but he is the supernatural number one life giver and he's by far the first place. Jesus above all. So I was thinking that we really do know how to abide, and I'll close with this. And I just read about, you know, with our phones, how we're connected to everything. You can be 
I can be connected to the NFL. I can, some of you have, some of you have been connected to lots of things while I've been preaching today, other than this. You know, you connected to Instagram while I'm talking. You connected to the scores in your bracket, how you're doing right now. Like you can be connected. In fact, uh, average person touches their phone 2,617 times per day, unlocks it 150 times per day, spends 3.7 hours per day. 75% of Americans take their phone to the toilet. <laughs> average American engages in 94 texts per day. So, good news, everybody. You know how to abide. You know how to stay connected. You've learned it. It's a habit you've got. You've already got it. You know how to stay connected. Question is, what are you connected to? Here's my invitation to you. I have a dream. My dream is that at this church, every day you would go digital. Sorry, that you would go devotional before you go digital. Let me say that again because I really messed that up. That you would go devotional before you go digital. Here's what I mean by that. Instead of first thing, checking something online or on your phone, even if it's a prayer that just says, Good morning, Holy Spirit. Even if it's just a wake up and say, Jesus, you can have it all. Even if you're still partly dreaming, you're weary, and you're like, I can't believe the presentation I have to make today at work. That your first thing is not, I gotta text this person, I'm gonna email this person. That every day, every day, you go devotional before you go digital. Every day, you start your day. And I'm not talking about an hour with Jesus right there, but I am saying your first conversation. I know people that go all the way to like, they, they, won't, they won't eat until they've had their daily bread with Jesus. Like you can take this metaphor a long way. I am, say, I, I am inviting every person, I don't care if you've been a Christian for three days, three months, three years, or 30 decades. That's a long time. That you would say, I'm gonna start my day. And before I look at Instagram, did he just say that? Yes, I did. Before you respond to the, the email, you connect in the vine before you connect online. Poet I didn't know. I'm rhyming all the time. <laughs> connect with the vine before you connect online. Everybody say, that's the dream. My dream, and, and I think it's the beginning of a value shift that says this this is where I am. Number one, Jesus, you're above every other connection. You're first. So yes, last service, permission to turn your alarm off. Got it. But before you do anything else, Jesus, I surrender. Good morning, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way in me. I surrender all. Lord, I love you. Whatever's in your heart, but just have that go devotional before you go digital. And here's what happened. It's a baby step. But over time, you'll start to abide. You know, we got a long way to go. We got years and years of doing this together. But I think if you'll start there, it'll start to grow in your heart. We bow your heads with me. I'd like to invite you just to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit, what are you telling me today? Now will you give him your yes? What's the, one, what's the one spiritual step you can take today that the Holy Spirit's putting on your heart? Give him your yes. 
today you are not connected to the vine and you would like to be a follower of Jesus. The good news of the gospel is that for God so loved the world, they sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he is the vine that will give you life. He is the shepherd that will protect you. And the best decision that you could ever make is to give your life to Jesus. If you want to begin that journey today, I want to invite you. Say this to Jesus right now. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Give me new life. I give you everything. Change me. Stabilize me. Be my source of life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. We're gonna give and then we'll go. Hey, can we give a big hand to everybody that just made a decision to follow Jesus? Can you do that, everybody? I want to thank you for your faithfulness and giving. Um, We're looking for the place, the permanent place that God has for us. I'm so grateful for this outrageously generous church that continues to give as we continue to pray. And there will be a day where God has a place for us um, that is permanent. And uh, I'm just so thankful for all of you. And so thank you for giving to that. And I also just want to encourage you because we're in a fun season of our church where we just got started, but we're starting to be able to do more in terms of the dreams in our heart to reach young people, to help people in our city, to be a blessing and to significantly give when there's tragedies around the world. And so it's kind of like, I like to say we're about kindergartners right now. We've got a long way to go, but it's, it's better than being preschoolers. So thank you. We'll just keep moving at the speed of your generosity, but I want you to know we've got, we got, There's so much that God's got in our heart, I believe, that can transform a generation, transform a city, and touch the nations. So I just want to thank you. Let's just pray over our tithes and offerings, and then we're giving online right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless what we give. Take it. It all belongs to you. Use it to make a difference. And God, I do pray. I pray, Lord Jesus, for a generation to be touched this summer. And as we've made this bold Sunday, I pray, Lord God, Take what we give. God, we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to be your light to these kids. God, we're asking, Lord Jesus, you'd help us to make a difference, to help feed people and house people here in Kansas City. Be your hands and your feet. We want to see measurable fruit, not theoretical, measurable, where we could say, here, look what the Lord has done. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your work around the world. God, we thank you even for missionaries right now. God, in Nepal, thank you for Murray and Deborah right now in Africa. We ask, use what we give, Lord, that we could make a difference here, but also there. We pray your blessing on this. We give gladly in Jesus' name.